Hello and welcome to Know Your True Self, a show dedicated to raising the consciousness of humanity. I'm James. Hey, and I'm Samantha. Today we're going to be starting with the foundation of Know Your True Self, which is self-awareness. And within self-awareness, this is going to be a multi-part series. And the first installment is going to be on consciousness. And we're going to look at consciousness from a very macro level. Consciousness can get pretty heady, so I'm going to let James take most of this one. But it's a super interesting topic and really is the foundation for everything that we talk about and know your true self. So buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. Yes, the understanding of consciousness is so essential to understanding the nature of ourselves and the world around us. But in many ways, consciousness sometimes feels like it's something that we take for granted in life. I think most people don't really know what consciousness means. I know when we first met and you started talking about consciousness, I was like, what do you mean? The subconscious, unconscious, conscious? It's a little confusing and I don't think it's a term that's really used too often in the explanation of life. So I think people will benefit a lot from understanding it. Yeah, and it brings me back to even my own journey in terms of understanding consciousness, because obviously you brought up when I studied psychology here about the conscious and unconscious mind and Carl Jung pioneered a lot of great work there. But I remember specifically at Fairfield, looking up at the stars and looking at everything around me and just thinking to myself, what the hell is this? Why am I even here? Like, what is this all about? And pondering the nature of my existence and what my purpose was, because the universe up there feels so vast, we feel so small, and we're going through this thing called human life. And in all honesty, it can be feel quite daunting a lot of the time. So over the years and working with my father and putting together Know Your True Self really started just unpacking what this whole thing about consciousness meant and tried to put a framework around it so it can give us a broader perspective of how we navigate life and how we understand the totality of consciousness before we start going into individual consciousness. It's mind-boggling. It reminded me when you were just talking about that of looking up at the star or if you're coming down to a city on an airplane and you just see all the little toy cars, you know, like, do-do-do, <laughs> like going through their toy city. It's just like, what are we even doing? We're like these little ants on earth and it's just fascinating. How did we even get here? What are we doing here? What's our purpose here? Yeah, right. And this is um, <laughs> the nature of human existence. So. I think a great place to start as we go through this is really just talking about the fundamental components of reality. Now, within reality, you can look around you right now, just scan the room that you're in or the car that you're in or the area around you, and you're in this sort of three-dimensional realm, right? You know, within this space, events can occur. Right now, I'm having a conversation. Then there's time feels like we never have enough of it, but there's an infinite progression of it. Events happen in the past, they're going to happen in the future, and then within time, we'll talk about it later, the only time that really matters is what we're doing right now in the present moment. Yeah, other time seems warped. I feel like when I look back on the past, it's hard to even place when that was or how long it was, and same thing with the future. We're building constructs of them in our mind of what could happen rather than what is now and how we direct our consciousness to the present. So we have space and we have time. Then we have matter. All these substances that have mass and take up volume. It's the cup of water next to me. It's the table that this is on. And even myself, there's components of me that are made of matter, right? The biology of the human body, that's matter. 
And then finally, the last, after space and time and matter, there's energy. What science describes energy is the ability to do work, right? And you think about the types of energy that we have, there's potential energy, there's kinetic energy, electrical, chemical, nuclear, all different forms of energy. Does everything have consciousness? So we talked about space, time, matter, energy, like is all of that consciousness? Is the table that we're on right now consciousness? How well, would you? I think the best way to frame it up, because we can get into a lot of philosophical debates about what levels of consciousness exist between an inanimate object or a human being. For the sake of our discussion, none of those things, space, time, matter, energy, could exist without consciousness. So nothing that we're part of, nothing that we perceive, nothing that we touch, nothing that's unseen, all of these things, nothing could exist without consciousness. What is the origin of consciousness then? So sometimes to talk about the origin of consciousness, the easiest thing to do is to go to the birth of the universe. And let's talk about science a little bit, then we'll go into spirituality. But I think the birth of the universe I think it's about 14 billion years ago, a little shy and less than that. I'm not going to get absolute. 14 and a half. 14, it's 14.8, I think, or 13.8. But the reality is, you know, we have this moment, right? And the moment's referred to as the Big Bang. And sometimes I feel like even when I heard that moment in college, you know, I was at a religious university. I couldn't understand why I, why I was studying the Big Bang because for all I knew, this all began with Adam and Eve. And all of a sudden, I hear about the Big Bang, this, this big explosion in space, which I think undermines the power and magnitude of what the Big Bang actually is. And it should be called the genesis of consciousness, the birth of consciousness, the awakening of consciousness, the origin of consciousness. Because at that moment, whatever created it, I mean, no one knows what it is. We can hypothesize, but even Einstein said, I think something to the effect of anyone who's seriously involved in the pursuit of science is convinced in some way that as a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe. That consciousness that we're all part of, the absoluteness of that is so beautiful that that moment when the universe was formed and at the beginning of the Big Bang, what do you hear about? The explosion of light, light, light. right? The explosion of light. There's just hydrogen and helium, just gases forming. Magically, those gases form together into matter and starts forming the constructs of our universe, which is mind-blowing to think, here I am a human, and I am a relic, a living relic of this moment when consciousness was created. And I have formed out of these gases over years through evolution and whatever mysticism lies between this fabric of the universe to actually sit here and talk in this podcast and ponder the nature of the creation I'm part of. It's wild. <laughs> I mean, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And that's what's so crazy about self-awareness is that relation we have with that consciousness is so amazing, right? It's, it's so... It's magical. It's so magical. It's so wonderful to think about. And... Um, if you look at all the major religions and their interpretation of light, sometimes light symbolizes knowledge and wisdom. Other times it's correlated with transcendence. So almost reaching high levels of illumination and truth. Other times it's the direct giver of life. 
it's been seen as the triumph over darkness, you know, that inner light that's inside of us that we want to shine on the world. Other times it's directly associated with God. And let's talk about Einstein talking about that divine spirit that lives within the fabric of the universe. And then to some extent, the heavens and the earth. It exists in both places. And then also, too, in other religions, it just serves as a basis to understand reality, which I think is magical because sometimes with religion and other spiritual practices, we sort of point fingers at each other of whose philosophy is right or wrong, whose stories are right, and they're all so beautiful. They all have such rich, beautiful meaning that just to share each other's philosophies and embrace them and bring the world together under the, the beauty of the light that runs through all of us just seems like the no-brainer that we're not doing rather than putting walls up around us. So now I'm going to go back to that story about being at Fairfield University and looking up at the stars. And, you know, Samantha, do you remember when you first learned about the universe? I was in grade school, but all they taught us was all the planets. I was like, Saturn seems cool, but that, <laughs> I like the ring. <laughs> That's all, about all I know. Right. I heard too many Uranus jokes yeah. at the time, too. Pluto, poor Pluto. guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then, you know, unfortunately, they discover a new planet. Then they have to build on new models. But the reality is, when we learn about the universe, we learn about the material aspects of the universe, right? The visible matter that exists. And... The visible matter, all of those stars that we talked about, all the planets that are out there, all the meteorites, everything that we can visually see makes up just less than 5% of the whole universe. Just less than 5%. So the human perception, yeah, I look out and there's objects in space that may or may not be related in some way. I mean, I can see that in the solar system, we're rotating around the sun. So yeah, this is sort of our solar system. That's important. And there's a Milky Way galaxy. I guess that's doing something else. But to look holistically at what's going on inside the world of universal consciousness, the totality of this universe, is that there's other forces at play that we can't see. I mean, the human senses can only see a certain spectrum of reality. You also have dark energy. Dark energy is what's expanding the universe. So we're not expanding as humans. We're not going to start breaking apart. Galaxies are expanding. They're becoming further apart. So the universe is expanding and dark energy is fueling that expansion. And that makes up the majority of the universe, almost 70% of the universe. Then there's dark matter, right? And dark matter, we can't see either. It's invisible. And dark matter is what's holding the universe together. So it's the reason that everything that's in the universe isn't just falling apart so within that you look at that and you say wow like about 95 percent of the universe we can't see but it's all woven together in one fabric one connected energy one energy field and we're part of that energy field it's amazing to think that even as we become educated and we learn about the universe and we learn about consciousness, we still look at the parts before we like to acknowledge the whole. And that's why consciousness typically isn't taught in the classroom is because dark energy and dark matter, we know of their existence, but they can't be measured. We don't have a way of measuring them, but they're what creates the fabric of the universe. And even more interesting about the fabric of the universe is 
the universe is a closed system of energy. So what does that mean? It means that the amount of energy that exists in the universe never changes. It only fluctuates. So there's fluctuations that are constantly happening in the universe all of the time. You know, when we strike a match, we don't create energy. We draw that energy from different places. When we do anything, we're borrowing energy. It's getting transferred. So human consciousness is a form of energy. We're connected to the totality of consciousness. So the energy that is in consciousness never dies. It just gets transformed into a new form of energy. What that is, we don't know. Yeah, it's just redistributed. It's like that energy is never created or destroyed. The law of conservation of energy. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. But it's so fascinating because you learn that in school, but they never really tell you what that means exactly for human life. And there's something comforting, though, about knowing that, you know, when you die, your energy goes somewhere. We don't know where or how, but it's kind of cool to think about. Yeah, and... It's almost when we reframe how we think about the universe, almost just to think of this thing as one giant thought, one big thought, right? And here we are, all unique, beautiful expressions of that thought. It's very abstract, but it definitely looks like some big thought. It doesn't look like something really tangible that we can put an actual name to. And that thought is ever expanding. There's something unsettling about just knowing that the universe is just expanding with this like dark matter and dark energy. It just sounds scary. <laughs> like, where is it going? You know? Well, and I think that's also even hearing dark energy and dark matter. Yeah. Now, dark energy and dark matter don't absorb light. They don't reflect light. We can't perceive the light within it. If energy moves so quickly and gets transferred in a moment, one would believe that only at the speed of light could transfers of energy happen that quickly because we don't actually see light. We only know light as humans through the energy it releases. So pure light, like the light that formed the universe, is omnipresent everywhere. It's omnipresent. It's even present within ourselves. So it's pretty remarkable that the laws of the universe and what we know, you can now start to see, we talked about the birth of the universe, we talked about this light, how it translates to religion, how we have a false belief that we're just looking at planets that are held together by some type of gravitational pull, they may or might not be related, but the reality is they're part of one larger universal energy field, right? Through in that field, there's dark matter and dark energy which make up 95% of it, which are creating that fabric. And in this closed system of energy, light is what's transferring energy from place to place, moment to moment. It's such a large scale <laughs> that there's 10,000 stars to every grain of sand on planet Earth. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, okay, so we talked about the universe. So universe is one big thought. I like to refer to it as either a universal consciousness or a universal intelligence. You can also call it God. That is the light. What's remarkable is the elements that make up our bodies. All of the energy that makes up who you are was forged inside ancient stars. 
right? The oxygen, the carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus. I think there's potassium. That's where that comes from. Sulfur, sodium. And then there's a few others in there like zinc. And you wonder to yourselves, like, why do I have these metals in me? You know, the metals come from those stars. Going back to why we're living relics of, of this evolution of consciousness, awakening of consciousness. We're not going to call it the Bing Bang anymore. This is so much grander than that. So here we are forged by that universal consciousness. It's remarkable. I think if you really do tune in, if you do any meditation, you can almost feel that energy system right inside of your body. It's pretty wild. And sometimes you can even feel it expanding outside of your body. If you do meditate, you can feel it maybe coming out of the top of your head and just almost expanding in every direction if you've ever had that kind of an experience. And so I think when you do have an experience like that, it really proves to you exactly what you're saying, that we are basically this uh, space creature with all of this massive energy coming out of us. Yeah, and try to find where your consciousness is. Mm. I know where my brain is. I know where my hands are. I know where my feet are, right? Look for your consciousness. Even right now, just close your eyes and say, where is my consciousness? It's of you. It's that feeling. I can feel it in myself right now. It's pouring out, you know? <laughs> but because when you know the laws of it and you understand the totality of it and that you're part of it, it takes away some of those blocks in front of you that you're just a human on earth getting through this shit, you know? <laughs> now as we navigate life, here we are, these vibrations of energy. Now let's talk about entanglement because this is one of the most interesting things about human life is that everything we come in contact with, we become entangled with. And we become entangled with it through the sharing of electrons. And, you know, entanglement and quantum entanglement states that two particles can be directly linked. So what happens to one particle will directly affect the other particle, even if that particle is light years away. Now, let's take the, the science mumbo jumbo out of that and talk about it and like practicality of real life. Let's say you're from San Francisco and you've been in San Francisco your whole life and you move away. And someone says, what was it like in San Francisco? I was like, part of me is still there. And some of it's a construct of your mind and the experiences that you had, but it's also directly related to what's happening on a, a quantum level. You get that phone call from a friend. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I was just thinking about you. It happens to me all the time. It's so weird. Right. And it happens to you with the people that you're most connected with. Of course. You know, the people that you shared so many wonderful experiences because yeah our energy and our electrons get entangled with strangers we pass on the street but that's the web and the fabric of the universe that's happening to us all of the time we become entangled with anything but it's where we focus our energy and direct our energy and share our consciousness where that entanglement really flourishes so we can almost have a productive entanglement rather than a there's probably good entanglement and not so great entanglement. Yeah, definitely. There's constructive entanglement and destructive entanglement. <laughs> right. And when you have destructive energy waves colliding together, it creates disharmony and destruction. Beyond that, you know, day-to-day -day life, if you think about the people that you work with, we're so deeply entangled with all the people that we work with because we spend most of our waking hours with people at work. And one of the things that we've noticed during COVID and the consulting that I've been doing is teams are having a lot harder of a time having empathy for each other, understanding what each other is going through. 
because they're not sharing those emotions, those thoughts, their feelings on a day to day basis like they normally would as they're traveling to the airport for a meeting together or they're having lunch and just having some conversations about what's going on in life. And all of those moments when you share those thoughts, those feelings, behaviorally that connects you in a way which you're able to have more empathy for each other and share a connected consciousness. And a lot of times when people are working together in tight-knit groups, what do they say to each other? We're just all on the same wavelength. We're all vibrating at the same frequency. And those are all constructive frequencies. And then there's other challenges where what happens when there's one person that's toxic inside of an organization? It pulls everyone down. It pulls everyone down. Now we talked a little bit about constructive and destructive energy waves, which leads us to another idea about just measuring consciousness. One of the greatest tools that I've seen is the work that Dr. Hawkins did. If you've ever read Power vs. Force or any of his other books. So what he did is he used kinesiology and he did experiments and you should read the book. I'll attach this map of consciousness to this podcast, but conducted more than 250,000 calibrations, 20 years of research and defined values, attitudes and emotions that corresponds with levels of consciousness. So. If you look at the lowest levels of consciousness, shame, guilt, and apathy, they're associated with being miserable, evilness, hopelessness, right? Shame, guilt, and apathy. Moving to a little bit higher levels of consciousness, but still extremely low, or grief, fear, and desire. You think about grief, what's the last stage of grieving? Acceptance, that's a high level of consciousness. Moving through grief, in finding acceptance and peace in life for whatever traumatic events we've been through helps us operate at a higher level of consciousness. Then we have anger. Being polarizing to get attention is just fueling us with more levels of anger, lower levels of consciousness. Then pride, it's not pride in who I am, but it's pride in a demanding nature that I want and have more. Pride's associated with a lot of desires. You know, now we start making the transition from lower levels to higher levels. And then the tipping point comes with courage. And I mentioned that in the first episode. Once you have the courage to move into the next phase, then you start to create a neutrality about life. And when you create a neutrality about life, you're opened up to a lot more. And you can start feeling these greater expressions of willingness, moving up to acceptance, having reason, right? The ability to talk and listen to others and understand perspectives of where they're coming from in life. And then from there, you can share love. And love is so beautiful. I've always referred to love as one of the most powerful expressions of energy in the universe. It's amazing what it can do. It's hard to achieve because we need to have that acceptance, the reason to find love. And then once we have love and we can accept people for who they are, and have a warm, open heart, we find joy in our lives, peace. And finally, the highest level, which we hear about in a lot of religions, is enlightenment. If you start thinking about enlightenment and what that means is just the view of life as life just is. And if enlightenment is when life just is, where does is exist? Is exists in the present moment, not worrying about the past, not being fearful about the future, but just embracing reality as it is. Now, if we can stay in the present moment, we reflect the light of universal consciousness, we become enlightened.
I hope that this gave you more context for how you see yourself and the world around you. And if you do one thing today, just take a moment, sit with yourself and try to find your consciousness, like James was talking about earlier, and envision that that is really a relic of space and appreciate the grandeur of your existence and everything that's inside of you. Try to also look at the matter around you, the objects around you, and just visualize that there's energy swirling between those things that you can't even see. That is the reality, that is the nature of existence, and the more that we can just put our minds in that place of imagining what truly is, the more we'll start to see the world for what it truly is. Wonderful advice. It can be very challenging at times to ponder the nature of our own existence. Just remember, as you're navigating life and your head's down in your phone and you're looking sad, everyone seems miserable when they're looking at their phone and going through their feed. I never see anyone smiling. No. So when you find yourself caught in that glitch, put your phone down, lift your head up, look up into the sky, and remember that you came from up above. And also knowing that we are made of light and we can let our light shine and by being in the present moment, greet everyone that you meet with that sense of presence and let your light be seen. Because when we emit that light, we awaken the light in others. You can see, you know, if you're at the cash register in a grocery store and you greet that person with a smile, all of a sudden they light up. And that's what awakening ourselves is all about, is just being in that moment and seeing that light in other people and recognizing it in ourselves. Um, gave you a lot to think about. I have some links attached to the notes section of this podcast. In the next episode, we'll really start talking more about the human mind its evolution and how it functions both consciously and unconsciously and the filters we all have as we navigate life and how to be more aware of those so we can find more peace and joy in this chaotic and unpredictable world. Until then, practice the tips that we talked about and we look forward to talking to you next Wednesday. And always remember you have a choice. Take an active role in your own evolution. Know your true self.